And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. Awesome. Thank you, worship team. You may all be seated. Welcome again this morning. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at New Covenant Christian Church. So hi, and uh, good to meet you. If I have not met you yet, I would love to. And man, we're so glad uh, you're all here with us this morning that you took time out of your Sunday a uh, day you could be sleeping, right? A day you could be mowing the yard, a day you could be doing laundry. And you're here with us at church. Yeah. So church is way better than chores, right? And uh, I think that should be our, our slogan, New Covenant Christian Church. Church is way better than chores. Um, so we're glad you guys are here, and uh, we're thankful that you are with us this morning. We've been praying for you and just excited uh, to have you here this morning, we've been uh, talking here at New Covenant. We're during this summer, May, June, July, August. Uh, we're covering the book of Philippians, and uh, hopefully, you've been able to read that a little bit on your own and look at that. We covered Philippians chapter one, and uh, today we're going to begin in Philippians chapter two. Everybody say two. two. And uh, the name of this sermon series for Philippians two is a humble life. And uh, this chapter two has a lot in there about rejoicing, a lot about humility. And I think humility leading a humble life leads to rejoicing in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we're going to have fun uh, with this and I hope you uh, really dive in to Philippians two. And don't just take my word for it. Don't just listen to the guy up front they gave the microphone to. Uh, Go home, open your Bible, check this stuff out for yourself and uh, dig into God's word, because that's the only way we're going to grow, is if we devour this and get the, the Bible into our lives so that we can grow in who Christ is and what he wants for our life. And so this morning, uh, I want to start off with a quote about what this word humility, we're going to talk a little bit about a humble life and what this word humility means. And so I have a quote that I want to read uh, for you from a guy named C.S. Lewis, and it goes like this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I don't know if you caught that or not. Humility is not thinking of your, uh, less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Now, I think that's good stuff. You should write that down. And here's the thing. If you don't have pen and paper or anything like that, you can buy a New Covenant Christian Church journal out front <laughs> at the church merch table. And, uh, and so you can check that out. But it's so great. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I don't know about you, but I've thought about myself a few times already this morning. Anybody with me? You thought about yourself? I mean, I woke up and got dressed and, you know, had to do my hair and get it all over to the one side. Otherwise, it looks really goofy. It goes to the opposite side. And uh, sometimes a few stray hairs will just kind of flop around in the wind. And I needed to fix it, right? I needed to bring it over to the one side. And, uh, and some of you also have that, but it's called a comb over for you. Um, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that was, who said that? And, uh, and so we, uh, you know, we, we get ready. We have to take care of ourselves. So I, so I get that. We think of ourselves. I was actually at a conference uh, not too long ago, and there was a lady that was talking, and, and, and she was talking about how all of us deal with insecurities and, and different stuff. But she had some research, and this really uh, surprised me. She had, had this research that that women, on average, look at the mirror 11 times a day. And men look at it over 20 times a day. I know. I was like, well, obviously, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But no, it's, it's true. 
that it's, it's not just what like Facebook or the internet said it, so it makes it true, but it's actually research that that's how many times a day women look at themselves in the mirror compared to the guys. And they said the reasons that they go to the mirror are very different. They said the reason women go to the mirror is they want to make sure, like if they're going to stop and look at the mirror, they want to make sure that their hair is still in its proper place and that everything is still like whatever and fine. And guys, we throw our clothes on and it's like, yeah, well, whatever. It'll be fine until I spill something on it and then I'll change it the next day or whatever, right? I mean, we don't... We don't care. We just, but ladies, they like to make sure everything's prim and proper and in its place and all the hair. The guys, we look at it for a totally different reason, um, and it's best exemplified if you ever go to the gym. And what are, what are around the gym? Nothing but mirrors. And you walk in, you go, who is that handsome devil? And then you realize it's you. <laughs> right? And uh, I, I remember what there was... The other day, there was this kid in there lifting, and he was more concerned about all the different selfie poses in front of those mirrors than he was about actually lifting weights. And he was about a buck twenty. I mean, he was only 115 pounds, probably soaking wet. And I'm not sure what he was taking pictures of, but it was hilarious, <laughs> right? But that's what guys do. It doesn't matter if, if, if we have a lot of muscles or we just have a few. It's like we're going to stop and check them out. And, uh, and so that's why, guys, that's why we apparently look at the mirror. We want to make sure that our biceps have grown since the last 10 minutes that we checked um, and get our swole uh, pump on. So anyway, that's, uh, it's science. I mean, you can't dispute science. So what are you going to do? But w- this idea of thinking of ourselves less, not thinking less of ourselves, not thinking that we're awful, horrible human beings, because that's actually pride. You know, a lot of times we think of pride as like, oh, I'm the best and I'm awesome and look at me, I'm the coolest. And, but that's pride. But also along with pride is, oh, I'm the worst and nobody likes me and nobody cares about me and I'm just awful. Because a pride is a preoccupation with yourself. And humility is the opposite. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Um, I like this quote by E.D. Hulse. He says, humility is a strange thing. The minute you think you've got it, you've lost it. Right? It's a strange thing. The minute you think you've got it, you've lost it. What does he mean? You stand up and say, man, let me tell you, I am so humble. I mean, is that a humble thing to say? No. So you lost it, right? I mean, the moment, it's so tricky. It's like, I want to be humble. And it's like, oh, I think I'm being humble that. Well, okay, you missed the boat. Try again, right? And, and so it's just a, this thing. This word humility uh, means to, to be low or to make flat, like a, a position of surrender, um, it's the correct estimate of ourselves. And I like this. It's basically seeing ourselves the, God, the way God sees us. It's seeing ourselves the way God sees us. And how does God see us? He sees us as fearfully and wonderfully made. He sees us as a masterpiece. He sees us as someone to love. He sees us as a chosen generation. He sees us as more than conquerors. That's who he sees when he sees us. And so the important thing with humility is to not think we're awesome or not think we're bad, but to see ourselves how God sees us. And he loves us. There's no amount of good that you can do to earn it. There's no amount of bad that you can do to make him love you any less. He just simply flat out loves us. He loves us and he cares for us. And Paul, you know, I feel like Paul was a pretty humble guy. He's the one who wrote Philippians. He wrote uh, the book of Philippians. We've talked about Paul as we've been discussing this series. But I want to read you a few verses why I think that Paul was a humble guy. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. It says, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So here we have Paul, 
writing and he's saying, listen, I am the least of the apostles. I am the least of the people who are going out and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ and planning churches and, and taking trips and telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ. I am the least of all of them. Why? Because I persecuted the church of Christ. He literally, Paul stood by while Stephen, the first Christian martyr who was killed for his faith, he stood by and watched it happen. Paul persecuted Christians. He persecuted the church of God. And here he says, I am the least. I'm an apostle, but I'm a least I'm the least of all these apostles. That sounds like a pretty humble thing to say, don't you think? You guys are like, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a pretty humble thing. I think it's a pretty humble thing to say. In Ephesians 3.8, he says this, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so now here he's saying he's gone from I'm the least of the apostles to now I'm the least of all the saints, all of the followers of Jesus Christ, all of those who proclaim Jesus Christ, I am the least, he actually says, I am less than the least of all of them. Why, why, why does he say that? He says, that way I can preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And so he recognizes that, hey, he's not, I'm not really all that special. I'm, I'm preaching to the saints. I'm, I'm telling the other followers of Jesus Christ, and, and I'm out here doing these things, but there's nothing really that special about me. I'm less than the least of, of all the saints. It sounds... Humble, doesn't it? 1 Timothy 1.15 says this, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. All right, so here's Paul. Check it out as he continues in his ministry. He says, I'm the least of all the apostles. I'm an apostle, but I'm least of all the apostles. And then he says, well, and I'm a saint, but I'm, the, I'm less than the least of all the saints. So I'm not even... I'm a saint just like you, but I'm less than all of you. And then he says, well, you know, Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, and I am the chief sinner. The Message Bible, I like how it says it. He says, I am public sinner number one. Kind of like public enemy number one. He said, I am public sinner number one. Well, gee, Josh, I don't know. It doesn't really sound humble because you said that humble is, you're not supposed to think less of yourself. And it kind of sounds like Paul is maybe thinking less of himself, but he wasn't. Here's what he was saying. He was saying, it doesn't matter who I think I am or who others want me to be. I'm living a life surrendered to Christ and my identity is found in him. Here's what he's saying. He was humbled by the fact that a great God would have great love for a great sinner. He was humbled by the fact, he said, I'm not worthy to even be called apostle. I'm not worthy to be called a saint because I'm not that saintly. I'm actually the chief of sinners. Why would he say that? Because he's humbled by the fact that a great God, the creator of the universe, would love him even when he persecuted the church, even when he went against all that Jesus Christ wanted to do on this earth. He still loved Paul, a great sinner. And so he recognized he wasn't trying to stand up there saying, I am the best. Paul knew that his best shot at helping sinners find forgiveness in Christ was to identify with them. If Paul stood up in front of people and said, listen, I want all of you sinners to know, listen up, sinners, listen up. And Paul, I am an apostle, and I want to set all of you straight. Would you receive that very well? Or would you receive it better if you said, listen, my name's Paul. 
And I'm a sinner just like you. But I stand before you today to tell you about Jesus Christ, my Savior, who set me free. I mean, which one sounds better to you? The second one, right? Paul wasn't above. It wasn't that he was thinking of himself as awful. He understood. He understood that he was nothing great, but that a great God had great love for a great sinner. And he redeemed Paul, set Paul free and rescued him. So what could Paul, what could Paul do? So he could go out and preach Jesus Christ to everybody. And that's what he did. He went out and preached Christ to anybody who would listen. Paul's best shot at helping sinners find forgiveness in Christ was to identify with their sin, was to identify with their nature. I want to read you, I've been reading this book, Celebration of Discipline, rereading it actually, and it's been a long time since I had read it, but Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Great book. If you've never read it, you should read it. The 40th anniversary edition is out. I mean, the book has been around forever. And in one of the uh, chapters, the discipline is called Confession. And there's this quote that I found interesting. It says, Confession is a difficult discipline for us because we all too often view the believing community as a fellowship of saints before we see it as a fellowship of sinners. Therefore, we hide ourselves from one another and live in veiled lies and hypocrisy. What's he saying? He's saying that far too often we approach church, we approach other Christians, and we see them and we're like, wow, they've got it figured out. I mean, people see, well, the pastor is obviously perfect. The staff at that church, they must know everything. I mean, God probably like speaks so directly to them and he probably tells them all of the things that I'm doing wrong. <laughs> right? That's not true. It doesn't happen. It doesn't work like that. We set everybody else up as these saints and they're perfect and they've probably never done anything wrong. And if I tell them my sin, they're going to be like, oh, I've never heard of such a And their ears won't be able to handle it. Well, I've got news for you. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Paul knew that. And that's why he didn't set himself up as the great apostle or the great saint. He said, no, I am, I am the chief sinner. I am public sinner number one. I identify in that with you. And so I like that from Richard Foster. We hide ourselves from one another and live in veiled lies and hypocrisy. Let's not be hypocritical. Let's not lie to ourselves and lie to others. We are all sinners who Jesus loves. And are we forgiven? Yes, we are forgiven. And are we righteous? Yes, we are righteous. We are in right standing with God, but not because we've done anything good, but because Jesus Christ loves us and has made us righteous. Amen? So that's humility. That's Paul. When he was talking, he wasn't talking above anybody. He was talking to. And so in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 1, we pick up, here, and it's on the screen. It says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish and don't try to impress other, your, uh, others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others. Two. All right, so I want to ask you guys four questions. Everybody say four questions. Four 
And uh, I want you to respond. If your response to these questions are yes, I want to hear it, okay? So, and I don't want you to just be like, yes. I want to hear yes, like a definite yes. So we're going to practice. Um, if you understood what I just said and are ready to participate, I need to hear you say yes. yes. Man, you guys crushed it. All right, here we go. Here's four questions. Do you find encouragement in the teachings and life of Jesus Christ? Yes. Do you find comfort in his love? Yes. All right, you guys are two for two. Do you enjoy being together in the spirit? Yes. And are you trying to live a life of tenderness and compassion? Yes. That was the weakest one. All right, which I appreciate. I saw a few of these like, uh, I'll think about it. So thank you. I know you didn't want to lie in church. I get that. So I appreciate it. So you're thinking about it. I'm just messing with you guys. I'm just messing. So, so here's the thing. If you answered yes to any of those, Paul says if he asked these questions and, 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 and he says, then this, he says, then make me truly happy. How, how can we make Paul truly happy? He's writing to the church of Philippi. And uh, before we get to those, I just want to say one quick thing. We're going to run through these things. I believe there's five or six of them. Uh, that were mentioned in that verse. And I was preparing my message and getting everything ready to go, uh, looked down and realized I had like 25, 30 different scriptures. And I was like, that is way too many. Some of you over there was like, Phew. it's like, yes, we'll be here till 1230. It'll be fine. Um, so what I did instead is I, I pulled them out and, uh, and I'm not going to go into all of them. I can't. I'm going to mention very many of them. But here's what you can do is during the week, we have printed out this time for sure at the Welcome Center, there's pieces of paper and along with these points are a whole bunch of scriptures for further reading. And you can check that out and read that and dive into this on your own time. If you have a, a smartphone, you can download New Covenant's app. Search New Covenant FD in any of the app, any of the app stores. And it'll show up. And on our app, we have uh, these questions ready to go. We have this outline and the, the study guide and all that stuff right there in the app. And I would encourage you, there's so much more that I just do not have time. Man, you're like, Josh, you're wasting like two minutes talking about this. I know, but it's not a waste. And uh, just go on the app and check that out. And each and every week, we're going to have those, those study questions and those, that study guide so that you can dig in deeper into God's Word each and every week. Not just Sundays, because listen, we read our Bible Sundays, but we need to read our Bibles Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And th- Actually, any day that ends in Y. Can I get it? Amen. Amen. That's every day. <laughs> Tricked you. All right. So if you answered yes to any of those questions, then Paul says, would you please make me happy. And the first thing he says is, will you please agree with each other? All right. So we hear this all the time. I'll just choose to, we'll just have to agree to what? Disagree. You get in an argument with someone, you're talking to someone, it's like, well, you know what? We'll agree to disagree. Okay. Problem, I think, with agreeing to disagree is it just kind of stops the conversation. It's like, I'm not interested in what you have to say. And the other person's like, I'm not really interested in what you have to say, let's just agree that we're just going to disagree on that. I think that Paul tells us we should agree with each other. And so here's what I think. I think we should agree to understand each other. I think we should agree to understand each other. Because if we just say, I'm going to agree to disagree, then that's the end of the conversation and nobody ever changes. But if we say, you know what, instead, I'm going to agree with you that I want to understand everything that you're saying. 
Even if I don't agree with it by the end, even if I'm not 100% sure about it, I want to absolutely understand why your life choices, why your circumstances, why what you've gone through has brought you to this conclusion. And I don't want to fight with you about it, and I want to tell you how you're wrong, and I don't want to tell you any of those things. I want to understand you. And we're not always willing to do that because we think we know everything. Because we're humble. And we agree to disagree because we don't want to be challenged. Because we're humble. So maybe we could agree to understand each other. Who knows? I know none of us, but who knows? Maybe you are wrong. I said maybe. None of my kids. Maybe means, yes, we're going to do that. Like, can I have a popsicle? Maybe. Yes. That's what I said. Maybe. Maybe you're wrong, okay? Maybe, just maybe, your mind will be changed once you understand another perspective. Because the only perspective that I'm an expert on is my own. And I'm not going to grow, and I'm not going to change unless other perspectives enter into my thoughts. And there are absolute truths, but there's also a lot of things that we think we know and we call them absolute, but they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily absolute truths. And so you need to think about that. I'm not saying you got to agree with absolutely everything, but at least agree to understand where they're coming from and pray and allow the Holy Spirit to make changes in your life if there's changes to be made, because I think that's humility. And here's the thing, everything I think, say, and do makes perfect sense to me. I don't know if that's how it works for you, but everything I say, everything I do, it all makes sense to me. People from the outside looking in, they're like, that makes no sense to me. It's like, well, that's fine, but it makes sense to me. But that needs to change, right? I need my, to be broadened and to learn so that I can grow and do what God wants me to do. So that's the first thing, agree with each other. The second one is love one another. John 13, 35 says that, uh, that, well, I don't have it written down, but it basically says that the world will know that we're disciples of Jesus Christ by the love that we have for one another. So the world will know that you and I are followers of Jesus Christ based on the love that we have for each other. That's what it says. Imagine what could happen for God's glory if the people of God truly loved one another. Imagine what could happen for God's glory. Imagine how many people could come to know Jesus Christ. Imagine how big of an influence we could have in this world if we could just simply love one another. Say kind words about each other. Say kind words about other people. Learn to love one another. Imagine the testimony, the witness that we could have. It's like, man, how on earth can you love our boss? I mean, obviously it's really easy here. Um, You know, but it's like, man, that, that guy, gal, whoever, they're a jerk. Like, how on earth do you love that person? How on earth do you respect that person? Maybe they don't say love. I mean, okay, you may have a conversation with your coworker about loving your boss, but how do you respect your boss? Or you start hearing some people talk bad about your boss, and maybe you jump in and say, hey, let's give him or her the benefit of the doubt. Hey, let's pray for our boss. Well, that's weird. You can't do that in the business. You can't, you can't pray for, what do you? What are you talking about, Jeff? Sure you can. 
If they don't want to pray with you, then you go back to wherever you're at, cubicle, office, outside, I don't know, and say a little prayer. It doesn't have to be some weird, flaky, like, everybody, let's get around and start chanting and do you know, but offer a prayer. <laughs> we don't got to make it weird. Just offer a prayer. You'd be like, wow, I had not ever thought. And maybe they're Christians, too. It's like, I never thought about praying. I was just going to talk bad about them for a while. <laughs> but could you imagine how that would change? It's like, wow, you actually respect other people and care for other people, even though they treat you like dirt. It's like, yeah, well, that's what Christians are supposed to do. And if we get treated like dirt, we're just supposed to love What would happen if we loved one another? Paul says, work together with one mind and one purpose. So I have a little object lesson for us this morning. Say, yay! Um, I have a bucket, red bucket, filled with yellow and purple plastic balls. And uh, Pastor Doug, uh, P-Mac, P-Dad, (laughs) P-Doug, coming up. And I've already given them instructions on what we're doing. You guys are still in the dark, but they know what's going on. And uh, so we're just going to have some fun uh, this morning. Is fun okay? You guys, aren't fun? Yeah. Oh, you guys aren't too old for an object lesson, are you? No. You're just like, are we in kids' church? This is messed up. All right, so we're going to have a little uh, object lesson, and these guys know what to do. And so let's go. Oops. All right, all right, so we'll have them stop here for a second. Um, so did it look like the two of them were working together? I've given them some instructions. Does it look like they were on the same page? Like working together with one purpose and one mind? Okay, what did it look like Pastor Doug was doing? Trying to put the balls back in the basket. What did it look like Pastor Mike was doing? Making a mess, pulling them out, right? And, uh, and so they were not on the same page, not one purpose and one mind. All right, so let's go ahead and try this again. Commence. Oh, nice throw. Hey, give it up. Thanks, guys. All right. So when they were one purpose, one mind, things get done a little quicker. Like you saw before, when they were had different purposes, different minds to do things, and you know it, it was fine at first. The bucket stayed on the floor, and then Pastor Doug escalated it by taking it and walking around, and then Pastor Mike escalated it further by ripping it from his hands and dumping the bucket, right? But that happens in real life, is that we aren't on the same page with each other, and things begin to escalate, and words are said, and hurt feelings are hurt to get where I'm going. And so Paul says, work together with one mind. And purpose. And then he says this. He says, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. That word selfish means this. Lacking consideration for others. Concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure. Basically, humility says that we should think less of ourselves. And selfishness says we should think about ourselves always. And Paul says, don't be Selfish. And you're like, well, that sounds kind of negative. Like, don't do this and don't do that. Fine. How about this? Be selfless. Be selfless. Give your life away. Be selfless. Offer a hand. Don't always just think about yourself, but think about others. If you lack consideration for others, if you're selfish, then as selfless, you have great consideration 
for others. If you're concerned chiefly with your own personal profit and pleasure, maybe it's time to start thinking about how you can help others profit. It's the thought. It's also in the Bible. Don't be selfish. And I like how he says this. He says, don't try to impress others. I like how he didn't say don't impress others. He said don't try, because we try, but we're not that impressive. But why do we impress others? Why do we try to impress others? Why do we want other people to notice us and that we did a good job? Why? Because we want to earn love, acceptance, and approval. We try to impress others because we want love, acceptance, and approval. And so we please people on earth and try to do everything. It's like, look at me, look at me. I I need your love. I need your approval. I need your acceptance. I'm doing all these things so that you'll notice me. And it carries over into our walk with God. It's like, Jesus, like, I'm doing all this stuff for you. Look at how awesome I am. A little dance. You pray. You know, I'm earning your love. You can love. I'm good now. Accept me. I got news for you. Jesus already loves and accepts you. We do not have to earn his love and acceptance. We do not have to impress him because he knows who we really are and he's not that impressed (laughs) with me. I don't know about you, but he's not that impressed with me. Why are we doing that? We're not all that impressive. Jesus loves us and accepts us for who he has made us to be. I mean, he made us. Of course he loves us. Of course he accepts us. He created us. So I got an idea. Let's make it easy for everyone to feel loved and accepted. How about we be people who love and accept no matter what? How about you and I? Don't, don't make people earn your love or your respect. Or How about we just freely give it to Well, they don't give it back. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They don't have to earn our love. You don't need to impress me. I don't need to impress you. We can just accept each other for who God made us, amen? And the last thing he says is be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. I mean, have you ever had that conversation and it's like, okay, this is all great, but do we ever get to the part where you ask me how I'm doing? Have you ever been in one of those conversations? And it happens and I've done it and you've, Probably not done it, but I've done it. But it says, yeah, look out for your own interests. It says, it says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Yes, take care of yourself, take care of what you need to do, but be attentive to other people's needs as well. First John 3.16 says this, this is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. And this is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. I like that. Our example in all of this is Jesus Christ. Our example in all of this, the most humble person that ever walked this earth, the person that walked this earth that was 100% God and chose to reduce himself to our level and came not to be served, but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for all of us. That's what Christ did for us. He sacrificed his life for us, and that is why we should live sacrificially for one another and not just be out for ourselves.
Yeah, we need to take care of ourselves. Yes, hygiene is good. Yes, making sure we have a roof over our head is good. Yes, working and making money is great. And then we get to use those things that God has blessed us with to also bless others. To not just look out for our own interests, but to be out for those, for other people as well. I want to close this morning in Romans 12. I really do hope that you make a decision to jump into this stuff with us, to grab a study guide, to look at the the weekly study guide on your app or wherever. I'm asking us to read this little chunk of scripture every day this week. You can read it multiple times if you want. There is so much just in these few verses. I really hope that you could spend some time with it this week. Romans 12, verse 9 through 21. It says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil and hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and shed t- share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. And don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. What's Paul telling? Paul wrote that as well, the church in Rome. What's he telling us in all of this stuff, in these verses in Philippians and Romans? What is, he, what is he telling? He's telling us to live a humble life. He's telling us to live a humble life. We are not great somebodies. We are sinners in need of a Savior who Jesus Christ loves deeply. He loves us just as much as that next person. That person that we judge, that person we think, guys, he loves them exactly the same as he loves you and me. We're all in this together. Let's live a humble life. I like that scripture in Romans. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 5th Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.